0: Hello. <laughs> Coerced, never coerced welcome to voluntary input my name is leo allen i hope you guys have been enjoying your fourth of july holiday weekend this week i just wanted to uh recap on some headlines that uh you may have missed that i found interesting i just wanted to touch on real quick again thank you for joining me hey guys welcome 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 I hope Like I said, I hope you've been enjoying your holiday weekend, uh, even though just looking out the window right now, it looks like it's just now starting to rain. But hey, that's summer, right? It comes and goes, especially here in Ohio. The humidity builds up so much and it gets so hot. Next thing you know, we have thunderstorms. But in either case, let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, the first thing I wanted to touch on is the fact that the U.S. government has been watching what's been called the, you know, Facebook's cryptocurrency uh libra and what they want to do at this point is they want to put they want facebook to put a halt on it you know out of some pretty serious concerns and i think they have some valid concerns here first and foremost the biggest being this worry that it could be used for money laundering um Of course, this is always going to be a contentious subject. I think this happened with the likes of uh, Bitcoin and whatnot as well. The first concern that lawmakers had is, hey, you know, if there's no centralized government controlled banking system, then, you know, it makes it a little harder to track down what criminals may or may not be doing. Now, some people criticize the U.S. government for this by just saying, you know, that's just a you, that's just a lack of understanding on the government's part as to what um, cryptocurrency is, how it functions and whatnot and yada, yada, yada. Because what most people are saying that this actually helps bring a um, it helps bring monetization for people who otherwise don't have any type of monetization, you know, monetization system. So, you know, in poorer uh, undeveloped countries, you know, these people, they can't basically participate in, you know, economic, uh, what do you want to call it, the the economic freedoms that we all enjoy, because we have, you know, we have a bank, we have credit cards, we have these numbers, yada, 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 where we can do online ordering. Now, uh, when back when Elon Musk, uh, you know, co-founded PayPal, That was one of the reasons as well, you know, it was to help those who are disenfranchised to have a way to be able to use some sort of uh, digital currency, if you will, to be able to pay for things online that they may need. But the problem there that some people point out is, well, yeah, it's still tied to a centralized uh, government, you know, banking entity. So if they don't have that, that still doesn't do them much good anyway. But that also what, you know, brings me to a point that I wanted to make about this whole thing. You know, everybody keeps calling this Facebook's cryptocurrency, but I think it's important to realize that what, you know, a lot of people are talking about is the fact that there are 32 different participants in this this whole uh, Libra thing. It technically isn't Facebook's. I mean, you got Visa, you got Mastercard, you got PayPal, you got all these other players in it. So if we want to talk about Libra, And you want to talk about, you know, we got to put Facebook on hold with this cryptocurrency. You got to remember that it technically isn't Facebook's cryptocurrency. The thing is, Facebook is just the most recognizable entity in this whole thing. And, you know, a lot of people consider them the bad guy on the block. You know, personally, I have no interest in, you know, doing any kind of financial dealings with Facebook myself. But that's, you know, that's all, you know, personal conjecture. But the fact of the matter is this technically isn't Facebook's um, cryptocurrency. And then also in this Verge article that I'm reading here, they are pointing out that technically it's not even a um, it's not really a cryptocurrency. It's what it, it is a permissioned, meaning that only a few trusted entities can keep track of the ledger. That makes it more like a digital currency rather than a cryptocurrency. This comes from Lana Schwartz, an assistant professor of media studies at the University of Virginia. And she's, you know, st- studied the Bitcoin community extensively. Uh, and she says she actually agrees with the folks who've been saying that this actually isn't really a cryptocurrency at all. So. You know, it all gets a little muddied and yada, yada, yada. So in my opinion, I think the U.S. government and other governments have a right. You know, I think it's smart on their part to actually say, hey, let's let's pump the brakes on this a little bit. And let's make sure that we're all on top of, you know, what this actually is, how it's going to function, who's going to be in control of it. And, you know, whether or not the criminal element in the world can use this as like, you know, a, a shadow currency to fund things like, you know, terrorism and to to launder money and the like. But again, like I said, part of the problem is, too, is because I honestly feel that if Facebook was never attached to this thing, it probably would have slipped through the cracks and no one would even be talking about it. But the thing is, you know, Facebook is the big dog on the block. Like I said, everybody knows Facebook You either love them or hate them. And that just is what it is. But I bet if they never signed on, pretty much no one would be talking about it. Like, not this much anyway. It wouldn't get the media attention that it's been getting. All right. Also, this week, we celebrate the 12th year launch of the original iPhone. Uh, Now, say what you will. We could all go on and on and on about the phones we like. You know, I'm personally an Android user. Everybody knows, you know, I rock my Pixel 3 XL. I'm in line with the Pixel. But the fact of the matter is, there is absolutely no denying that the very first iPhone changed everything. This was innovation at its best. As a matter of fact, this was probably the one, one of, if not the most significant impact on the world that apple has had to date and it was cool you know going back and watching this video of steve jobs doing the original presentation back in 2007 and he was talking about how you know phones were basically all the same they all had that riddled keypad at the bottom with a few function keys that were pretty much stuck doing one or two functions and he had said something to the effect of, you know, they want to do more. But I personally enjoyed the segment where he's talking about, well, how will you interact with this thing? And he shows a stylus and then he immediately goes, No. And of course all the developers in the audience just cracked up. He's like, we're not doing a stylus. He said, in fact, what we're gonna do is use the the greatest innovation that we've already had for interaction for pointing, and that's the finger. And like I said, say what you will, you can be an Apple lover, an Apple hater. It really doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is this form factor that we all hold in our our hands, you know, whether you have the Pixel 3XL, the Pixel 3a, whether you have a new iPhone, whether you have a new Samsung phone, if that's your flavor, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is this form factor, we owe it all to Apple, the plain rectangular slate. 12 years ago, Apple launched that. I was listening to some of my favorite podcasts and they were talking about, you know, what do you remember about that first iPhone launching? And it got me thinking. I remember I was working for a property management company at the time. And one of the guys had actually gotten his hands on one. I don't know if he stood in line or, you know, waited all night or whatever, but he was the first person that I met that got the first iPhone. And I, I distinctly remember at the time that what, uh, the feature that I was excited about at the time was that if you were listening, if you were somewhere and you heard a song and you didn't know who it was or what the song was called, the phone could tell you. Of course, this was the Shazam app, and at the time that was big, you know. Now, they all these phones pretty much do that. As a matter of fact, the, the pixel line, you know, even from the notification screen, the Google Assistant, if it picks up on a track, it'll show you at the bottom, you know this song, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, I remember that was pretty much the feature I was most excited about that new phone. Uh, At the time, I was on Verizon, and AT&T was the exclusive carrier, which brings me to another point where, you know, if you remember that time period, back then, pretty much the carriers basically told the OEMs, the phone makers, this is the phone we want, go make it. Apple flipped the script on that. They said, look, we're going to make this new innovative thing and you could be an exclusive partner. You could be the only one carrying this. This is going to be new. It's going to be exciting. It's going to change the world. AT&T said, yeah, we'll do it. So at the time I was on Verizon, I actually left Verizon to go to AT&T to get an iPhone only to be horribly disappointed. It was mainly because of I, or, uh, AT&T's poor service and so uh, basically i i ditched it and went back and of course at that time yeah the iphone it was a little sluggish i mean it was what it was i mean but i think one of the most important takeaways from this conversation is this guys think about it it's only been 12 years a lot of you i know have children older than that 12 years look at the original iphone And look at what you're holding in your hand now. I don't care if it's one of these Pixels. I don't care if it's one of the new iPhones or if it's a Samsung, a Motorola or whatever, whatever you have. Look at the capabilities of that thing. In 12 short years, we're carrying these little powerhouse computers in our pockets. And Steve Jobs actually predicted that when he launched the first iPhone. And like I said, we got to remember this form factor, this plain rectangular slate. These phones are all pretty much the same. The shape and all, all, you know, now we got the notch situation or the teardrop or the dot, yada, 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 whatever. Those little camera iterations, whatever. That That's not the important point here. You got to remember nowadays, what's internal in these phones, pretty much if you buy a flagship phone, especially you're buying the same processing power, maybe not to the, you know, to the nth degree, you're basically buying the same processor power you're buying the same ram capabilities, you're buying the same storage you're buying the same antennas wi-fi capabilities blah 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 all that stuff basically these phones are the same Is my point what you're actually what you actually have to consider when you're buying a phone is whose experience do i like do i like apple's ecosystem do i like google's do i like samsung's i personally stick with android and google's android because it's It's what I like. It's simple to me. I unfortunately don't care for how Apple runs things. And I tell people that all the time. iPhones are beautiful phones. I love their hardware. I love MacBooks. They're beautiful machines. They're rugged. They're well-made. I just do not like the Apple ecosystem, so I will never buy one. But, hey, it has its strengths, too. Everything has its strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, I just wanted to point that out, that it's been 12 years but it's, it's been an amazing 12 years. Look how fast these phones have progressed. All right, next up, this was a little kind of a, a side oddity tidbit that I, I stumbled across almost by accident. Some of you may be familiar with a browser called Puffin. Well, Puffin has announced that they have launched the next generation of phone operating systems. Uh, now according to when you first start reading up on this, it's like yeah, that, that's cool. You know, now we'll have iOS, we'll have Android, and then we'll have Puffin OS. The problem is, the more you read down into this, what's a little bit disappointing is this is actually an an OS that's built on Android, and it basically runs uh web apps. So yeah, what their point is, hey, you can have a cheap a cheap $100 phone and you can run this OS and run apps that you love without all of the uh, the bloat blah 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 all of these apps are instant um and and a lot of that is thanks to, you know, the Google and the Instant app uh, introduction but that's that's another conversation but my you know initially I thought hey this was pretty cool but the more I read this and if any of you Any of you out there who are familiar with Android, you would quickly realize that this isn't necessarily an OS. It's not a new OS. It's basically a new launcher. So, you know, that being said, it may be worth checking out. I mean, they're um, like it shows here. They're going to launch a Kickstarter soon for maybe they're going to add more to it. I don't know. But the more I read into it, you know, like I said, initially, I was pretty excited about it. But the more I read into it, I realized that's not an OS. That's more like a launcher than an OS. You know, an OS should be something that's completely set apart, kind of like what Yahweh is doing, you know, because of eh, some things that you may have heard that have happened with Yahweh and the U.S. government. And to that point, as I had talked about before, many people had talked about before, the whole Yahweh and U.S. government and tariff conversation has shown to be exactly what many of us have been saying. Yahweh, sure, they may or may not be up to something shady. We, I don't know. I can't claim that I know for a fact that they are putting spy chips in equipment or whatnot, blah, blah, blah. The problem is, my problem is now the government is saying... Okay, well they're fine now because there was a, a monetary agreement reached. So first we're being told they're a national security risk and they should be banned, but then it's ah, uh, never mind, they're safe now because now we agree on this this monetary policy. For me, I I just find that shady and quite quite frankly, BS. You know, you you take a stand. I can I can agree with taking a stand. But if your stand is saying that something is a national security risk, but that stand is mainly based on money, you're standing on weak ground to me. All right. That's enough <laughs> to say about that. Finally, guys, I just wanted to do this a quick. I want to talk about a quick little gadget that I, I'm wearing here. This is called the Fit Bip uh, smartwatch. I bought this watch last year because... You know, we all know the smartphone market, you know, you see Apple watches everywhere. You don't see many Wear OS, which are the, you know, the Android flavors of smartwatches. You don't see so many of those because, you know, quite honestly, a lot of people don't really care for it. Wear OS does have its problems and it doesn't really seem like Google is that interested in investing, you know, a lot of energy in it. Otherwise, it would be a lot better. I personally, I had the uh, the Moto 360. I thought it was a great watch. It was a bit thick, a bit clunky. Uh, the battery life was eh, so-so. And even with the Apple watches, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, I have to take it off every night and put it on my charger. Well, the selling point of this little guy is, well, first of all, this is a Bluetooth watch. So you can use it with your iPhone. You can use it with your Samsung phone. You can use it with your Google Pixel. It works across platforms because it's a Bluetooth uh, smartwatch. But one of the bigger selling points of this thing is this amazing battery life it gets. I mean, this little guy, it just basically lasts and lasts and lasts. Um, not only that, bigger than that is the price. This is an $80 watch. And with this little guy, I can get notifications. I get um, fitness tracking. I get sleep tracking, even though I'm not so much into sleep tracking like some people are. But what's cool is with that sleep tracking, if you're into that sort of thing, I personally, I just don't like to sleep with a watch on. I, I take a watch off. I don't care what watch it is. Like, even if it wasn't a sleep or a smart watch, I would take it off. But it actually... Monitors your sleep, and in the morning, it'll tell you, you know, you got this many hours of deep sleep. And then it'll ask you, Hey, how do you feel? And you could tell it, Hey, I feel great. I feel tired, and blah, blah, blah. And it compares you to, you know, the society at large. And it says, Hey, you got this much quality sleep. You're in a, you know, like 40 percentile of people who got this much sleep. And then it offers you suggestions about, you know, what you could do. It'll tell you, maybe go to bed an hour earlier. It also has a heart rate monitor. Uh, like I said, it does fitness tracking. It has screens that you can swipe through where you can do uh, you can do different activities running, bicycling, walking. It even shows you the weather. I get all the notifications I want and yada, yada, yada. But like I said, the biggest selling point is, first of all, it's a 79 watch compared to two or three hundred dollars. And the screen is pretty much just a simple, You know, a little LCD screen. There's not, you're not going to get all your photos aren't going to show up on here. You're not going to be able to make phone calls on it. I personally find the phone call thing on a smartwatch. I personally believe it's a bit overkill. i I Honestly, I see no purpose in making phone calls on your watch. I see people do it, and I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. I actually have another one, uh, a smartwatch that I'll review later that has that phone call capability. And I thought, this is literally kind of silly. But anyway, the Amazfit bit, they promote a 30-day battery life. Now, to be honest... If you you can turn the heart monitoring on and off, I found that if you leave that on and actually in the interface of the app itself, it'll tell you once you turn on heart rate monitoring, it will significantly uh, decrease your battery life. But I learned a little trick about this guy. If you. So what I do, if you're like me, if you don't like to sleep with a watch on, I take it off every night and I turn it off before I go to bed. And thus far, if I pull up my app here, so right now I got about 25% battery life. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see this, but I haven't charged this thing for 19 days. And like I said, again, it's because it's not the super most flashiest, best screen. uh, Like, you know, like the, I'm not picking on Apple, but like the Apple Watch, if you think about it, that's basically a chunk out of a cell phone screen and those screens they're hard to power so that's why your batteries they don't last you know i know people who you know i've heard people say i can't even get my apple watch to last through the day i don't know if that's necessarily true but i've heard people say it but you got to remember those screens it takes a lot of power them. this little lcd touch screens like this guy It doesn't take much. So that's how they can squeeze all this battery life out of them. And again, like I talked about the Moto 360 that I had that I actually loved. It was pretty, you know, pretty chunky. This it's real small. It's thin, it's lightweight, and it's waterproof. You can even go swimming in it. I mean, it's basically just a tiny little watch, but it has tons of the same smartphone capabilities. For me, primarily, it's good for when I get a text message on my phone. I can just look at my watch again, like folks with the Apple watch or new emails or calendar notifications, reminders, all that comes through this watch and through the app. I can toggle that stuff on and off. I can say, no, I don't want to see, you know, calendar notifications or text messages on my watch. So, again, that might be something you want to check out if you if you if you want like um how could I put it? If you like a Fitbit, but you want just a little more, go ahead and give this little guy, you know, check this little guy out. Amaze Fitbit smartwatch. Uh, oh, also, as far as application integration, uh, I was talking to someone about this watch before, a lady at one of the facilities I oversee. And she says, yeah, my husband was thinking about getting rid of his Apple watch because... No, hold on a second. She has an Apple Watch. He wanted to get something like it, but he didn't want to spend that much money. The only thing is, he has one of the Nike fitness accounts that I believe syncs up with Fitbit because he already has a Fitbit. This watch will not sync up with your app or your Nike accounts. It does integrate with um, Google Fit, which I use, and. I say use loosely because I just enable it and put in my, you know, my, my bios and my, uh, you know, you have your activity goals and it tells me every day whether or not I hit those goals. And usually I do because I do a lot of walking, just the nature of, you know, my day to day life. But as of yet, this amaze fit bit, it will not, uh, it does not communicate with the Nike app. I don't know if they have any plans to make that. So anytime soon, um, um I I may reach out to them and see, you know, what their uh what their goals are with that. Because this would be it would be a game changer if it could integrate all the uh that fitness information with more popular apps like the Nike app and whatnot. Um and I just you know I think that would that would be a, a major advantage for them. So again, like I said, nice little eighty dollar smartwatch. You don't have to go broke just to have something that has some smartwatch capabilities. If you know, you don't, if you're not looking to break the bank, but you want something like that, a fitness tracker, something to give you some notifications as well as, like I said, it can do sleep tracking and all that for you as well. All right guys, that's, that's about it for this week. Again, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, As always, you can always check me out at LeoJAllenJr.com. You can select contact me and shoot me an email if you'd like, or you can uh, shoot an email directly to voluntaryinput at gmail.com. Also, if you're using the, uh, if you have the Anchor app to listen to this podcast, you can actually leave voice messages. Again, just like with email, I would love if you guys have any suggestions, comments, or show corrections that you'd like to uh, send to me. I look forward to hearing from you guys and thanks a lot for tuning in. Take care.